Welcome to Covenant's Pulpit Ministry. Covenant Evangelical Free Church believes that the Bible is the Word of God and that God's Word is vital for life-transforming Christianity. We trust that you will grow to know the Word of God and more importantly, the God of the Word as you hear this message today. May God bless you as you open your heart to His Word. Thank you so much, everyone, for the super, super warm welcome at East. Um, and I hail all the way from the great kingdom of Bukit Panjang. Uh, if, you, if you have not already heard, get all the way in the wild, wild west. And I really mean it when I say wild, wild west, because every single time I go for my runs, right, I bump into pythons, wild boars, monkeys, chickens. You know, I think they are repopulating Singapore with all these animals. Okay, so it's, it's really great to be here in the East. It really feels like going for a mission trip at the airport. Um, and so I, I packed up and all that uh, to, to be here on time this morning. Okay, today we're talking about discipling the generations, right? And we want to start off with realizing we need a viral faith for that to happen. Okay, so question to think about this morning is, what has gone viral in your life? Okay, so I'm going to get us chatting a little bit. Okay, so question on the screen is this, what kind of online posts have you shared or received the most lately? It must be honest responses, okay? Don't need to be very, very holy, like, oh, I share my quiet time every day with my CG, you know, that kind of thing. And anything at all, if you're like a cat fan and you like meow meows and you send them these cute images to your friends, you can say that as well. Okay, so can you turn to someone next to you, your left, right, front or back, right, and to share with them what's something you have shared the most or received the most lately in your phone? WhatsApp, Telegram, social media, anything. Okay, so just give you some time to buzz about that, 30 seconds. <laughs> honest responses, okay? Okay, very good, very good. I hear the murmurings, murmurings, murmurings. A few more seconds. Okay, I'm going to get us to be very honest with everybody else here. So. so there are a few categories that I'm going to name, right? And then you just raise your hand if that is you or your partner, okay? Okay, so how many of us shared that you love animal videos like the cute corgi because their backside so cute one and you send them to your friends? Can you just give me a show of hands, raise your hands, wave it in the air, honestly. Animal videos, no? Okay, I see a few, two very brave souls, no, three, four, five. Okay, very good, animal lovers. Okay, anyone here shared, uh, you're like a COVID hotline like that for your family, right? Say this person, yeah, Aunt Manti, Melinda, all that, all got COVID already, I don't have yet, right? So you, you are keeping track for your family. Anyone here? Right, ah, okay, COVID news, COVID news, okay, okay, fantastic. Okay, anyone here shared maybe uh, the latest news, or perhaps about the, the war in Ukraine and all these kind of things, and you see a lot of that news coming up in your, in your phones. Anyone? Yeah, okay, quite, oh, quite a significant number. Okay, and I know this one is very popular here in the East. Any foodies here? That means you know all the latest craze of the best cafes, lah, the bar tommy here, very good. Ah, okay, I see a whole bunch there. Right? Okay, good. A lot of good food in the East, right? If you want to take me for lunch, please let me know after this. Um, and so there's a whole bunch of things that goes viral around us, right? And some of these pieces of news that we receive in our phones have gone around the whole world before it arrived in our phones, right? And so this is what we are talking about, a viral faith. How can we live a faith that is so contagious that it cannot help but get out of the church, okay? So I'm going to share a little bit more about myself with, this is like, five images that encapsulates my entire life, <laughs> okay? And I'm very, very thankful that I get to be part of a community over the last 20 over years growing up in Covenant where I witnessed people with a viral faith that has inspired me very greatly. Okay, so the, the top picture there on the extreme left, 
right? That is a picture of my family. I love them to bits. My nieces and nephews are amazing and we spend a lot of time together. They're really cute. Okay, but the lady in the middle, that is my mother. And to me, she encapsulates what it means to be a Christian who lives a viral faith. Why? Because for as young as I can remember, maybe when I was like five, six years old, my image of her is her with an open Bible at the kitchen table first thing in the morning before anyone gets up and she'll be pouring through scriptures already for at least an hour or two. Right? That's like 5, 6, 7 a.m. in the morning before we get to school and work and all that stuff. Okay, and I have that image in my mind of her since I was young and I got very curious. I was like, what's so interesting about this book with so many words? Right? And over the years, as I started diving into the word myself, I realized how much it comes alive because her viral faith had inspired me. Right? The picture in the middle, is this is me when I was... I think eight years old, right? First came the covenant, and when I looked around me at the community, I see people serving, just like what your tech crew, ushers, and, and all that are doing today, right? I looked around, and I was like, oh, I want to be a part of a community like this. It's so fun. It's so exciting. I, I feel like I belong, and their faith was viral to me in the way that they serve with so much joy. So at a young age, I started serving in anything that I could find, uh. Okay, including dance ministry. And, and for those of you who know me, which very few of you here, <laughs> okay, you know that I cannot dance one. Okay, so I love sports and all that, but you put me on the stage to dance, right? I'm always the last one in the class to remember the steps. Okay, the last one is very embarrassing. Okay, but even that I joined because I simply wanted to be part of that viral, infectious community. Okay, and then there's me on the extreme right up there. Okay, that was when I was 12 years old. And I started joining the youth ministry and it was, was so exciting. I remember Pastor Matt was the, the youth pastor at that time at Bukit Panjang and there were so many things that we were involved in and the leaders were so inspiring that I started to see that there's a purpose in my life that's far larger than just myself. And so when I received that calling to full-time ministry when I was 12 years old, I said, yes, God, just, just use my life. Because I look at all my, my leaders and, and staff and pastors around me and I was like, I want to live a life with that kind of meaning, that kind of purpose. So I said yes to the Lord there. And how many of you know that when you say yes to Jesus, he holds you to your word, right? And he never forgets it. So yes, here I am today. Right? And then came 2009. Okay? That was my first mission trip to, to East Timor. And I met people in the nation who had such an inspiring faith. We met Timorese young people who would give their lives to Jesus in spite of the persecution that they faced, in spite of getting kicked out of their homes. They said yes to the Lord anyway. They persevered. They were reaching out. They were sharing the gospel with people. And I was like, I, I want a faith like that. Right? That inspires me, even across the nations. And then finally, I take a look at this, this picture. And this is a shot of like, a lot of our young people and all that at, at Bukit Panjang. And when I look at the, the youth ministry across uh, the three centers in Covenant and all that, I see parents, leaders, youth, and even little children walking out that kind of viral infectious faith right, in their schools, in their workplace, in their homes. And I get so encouraged being surrounded by a community like that. And I started to see that, hey, actually, it is possible to live a viral kind of faith. And it actually exists even among us today. And I was a beneficiary of that in this community. So to disciple the generations, we need a faith like that, that will inspire others. No? Not one where we are like, oh, baptized in sour juice and, and, and lemons and stuff, right? but one where there's joy bursting from within that others can see and want to be a part of. So if you have your Bibles with me today, we're going to look at a, a passage that talks a bit about this from 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1-7. to 7. Okay, And this is what the Apostle Paul has to say about this. 
So we're going to read these seven verses together as a whole body later, but with this stage in mind. So you know when Paul was writing this letter, he wasn't like on, relaxing on some beach in Hawaii, enjoying sunbathing and all that. He was in prison again. <laughs> right? And Paul was writing to Timothy. And Timothy wasn't just a regular guy. He was more than just a mentee or a disciple of his. Right? He was like a son to him, someone that he loved so dearly, someone that was ministering side by side with him for so long. Right? It was like a, like a brother. And as he wrote this letter, he was going through his, his court trial. Right, in the prison, and he knew that this time it's unlikely he's going to get out of it alive. In other words, this was his final letter to Timothy. And you know, when, when a dying man gives his final words, he knows that he's going to die soon, we want to take that very seriously, right? Because you, you hear the most important things that come out of a man's life. Okay, so this is the passage that we're going to read today. And with that stage in mind, knowing what Paul is going through and all that writing to Timothy, I want us to read this together with that kind of heart and passion. Okay, can we do that? Yes? Yes, okay, I see some nodding heads. Fantastic. Okay, I'm going to count to three. We'll read it together. One, two, three. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. So think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Let's just pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word that's been given to us, that edifies us, encourages us, inspires us to, to go forth, Lord, with your presence. And God, today we just want to say we come with an open heart, open mind, open hands to, to receive all that you have to say to us and help us to respond to you, Lord, with a heart of obedience. We give you thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Okay, so when we read this couple of verses, the first thing that struck me was the mission is so clear. Right? The mission that was, that was given to Timothy, through Paul, right? and given to all of us, is, is what we are discipled to do. Right? And it's very clear because it says in verse 2, And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, right? and trust to faithful men who would be able to teach others also. Okay, so I just give us some time to read this again on our own. And I want you to count how many generations do you see in, these, in this one verse. How many generations has the gospel been uh, entrusted to in this one verse? Okay? And then once you have that, can you show me a show of your fingers? Okay? How many generations you have counted? Okay, so you're one, two, three, four. Okay? Give you a few seconds. Okay, then I count to three and then you just show me your fingers. Okay? Three, two, one. What? What's, I see your hands shot right up. Four, four, four. I see a lot of fours. Fours, fours. Wonderful. Wow, you all really study your Bible very well. Okay, yes, I also saw four, four generations, right? From Paul to Timothy to faithful men who would then teach others. Right? So when I look at this, like, wow, it's a high calling. Eh? To live a viral faith, it means that it has to go down not just to one generation, but to four generations down. But an encouragement that I have is there are pictures of this that come to my mind to see that it's possible even right here where we are. And this is one photo uh, that I really love. Every time I see this, I, I, feel, I feel so, 
so inspired by it. Okay, it's a picture of one of our disciple makers. Okay, this is Uncle Avis, right on the top of that screen on your left. Right? So Uncle Avis has been serving in the Next Generations Ministry for over 10 years. Okay, over 10 years. So that means week in, week out, every week he's spending time with a bunch of boys, right, watching them grow from our boys to men. <laughs> okay, literally. Right? And we see him investing in the whole row of, of boys that you are, it's kind of like I can see eye to eye with him already about his height, right? All those on top, those are his first batch of boys. And over the years, he's seen them grow up. And now they are serving side by side with him, uh, investing in the P5s. It's all the cute little ones here celebrating their birthdays right below. And what's even more exciting than that is when I see this group of P5s stepping out of the walls of the church, being so excited about Jesus that when, when there's an outreach that happened, this was about two years ago, some of these boys went up to their classmates, right? They invited their entire class to come, you know. So they could stand up there, invite like 20 other people, and their parents are so supportive, right, that they found out, huh, you invited 15 friends and they're all coming, ah. So the the father went around picking up all these kids right, on Sunday morning to bring them to church. Right? And I saw this, I was like, wow, this is what it looks like to have a viral faith. One that goes from Uncle Avis to the bunch of, of big men now, right, to the little kids, and to see them going forth into the communities and their schools to win people for Jesus as well. So I saw that, you know, this picture is possible. It's something that we can see among us, and it's something that excites me in the spirit. So our mission is very clear. To put it simply, it's just this. It's to propel the gospel. It's not just about passing it on to one generation that I see, right? but it's to entrust it to someone who is able to teach others also. And there are three kind of like verbs in this verse that we see, which is the first thing we need to do is to hear, right? We need to hear the gospel. We need to entrust it. And then we need to see it multiply, to teach others who can teach others also. And why this is important is because the biblical faith is an apostolic one. It's not one that's meant to be kept right, within, within the church. And I know here at East, it's amazing to hear a lot of stories of outreach and all that. Uh, and that's big on your hearts. And this apostolic faith basically means, the word apostle in the Greek is a person that's sent. That means all of us here have this mission and we are called to be sent out as his disciple makers. So the mission is clear. But who are the enlisted ones, right? If we look at it like an army-themed kind of thing, because you see soldier repeated in this verse twice, the people who are enlisted describes what we are called to be, right? What kind of disciples are we called to be? And this passage, Paul gives three very clear pictures of who we are discipled to be. What does it look like if we want to fulfill this mission? Okay, so this is the part of the message where uh, I'm going to look a little bit ridiculous for us. And then, your job is to take me seriously and my job is to look silly. Can? Yes? Okay. Great. The first picture that we see is a picture of a soldier. Okay? A soldier. So I'm just going to take out this Nerf gun and a dog tag. How many of you know what's a dog tag? I know all the men here do. <laughs> right? So if you die in battle, this is how they identify you. Okay? A soldier. And this represents a devoted generation. Will we be a generation that is devoted to our commander, right? The one who has enlisted us and the mission. And what does that look like? Right? In verse 3, it says this, right? Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. In other words, we need to lay down our lives. Eh? To lay down our lives and to share in that suffering. And the question I ask myself is, are there fears in my life, right, that hinders me from that? 
do I sometimes go to God and go like, yes, God, send me anywhere, anytime, at any cost, just, just maybe not anywhere too dangerous. Lah, huh? Maybe stay in Singapore or go to New Zealand or a beach in Hawaii will be great. Right? I can do ministry there. Do I say yes to God with conditions because of fears that I have in my life? Maybe relationships I'm not willing to let go of. Safety, reputation, whatever it is, are there things that hinder me from saying yes to the Lord? Second thing that we see in this passage is in verse 4. It says, no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits. In other words, I need to lay down my distractions. Like, are there desires in my life right, that become distractions? So it's, like, it's almost like going to war and saying that, oh, enemy approaching, enemy approaching. Hey, wait, ah, sir, I go to MBS first. Right? And I need, to, I need to go and get a pair of sneakers because they're on sale. You know, there are so many things in our life that can, that can crowd us, take away our attention. Perhaps it's even, okay, I need to wait until I get my next master's or I need to wait until I get my next promotion, then I say yes to God. Wait until my kids are 21 years old and above before I say yes to God. Are there desires that hinder us from saying yes to his mission? And then the last thing is this. In the second part of verse 4, it says, okay, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him, right? Which means we need to lay down our rights as well. To lay down our comforts. What kind of comforts and, and choices do I make in my life that I need to lay down in order to please the Lord? So the picture of the soldier reminds me of what I need to lay down before him to fulfill that mission that he's given to us. Second picture is this, a picture of an athlete. So I couldn't bring track shoes all the way here and wear it to church, so I brought a towel to represent an athlete. Right, all the sweat, the sweat, the sweat, tears, blood, and all that goes into training. Okay, and in verse five it says this: an athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Right, what does this look like? Are we able to be a disciplined generation to fix our eyes on the prize, to fix our eyes on the Lord? And why did Paul use this illustration? You know, the Olympics was a huge thing back in the Roman Empire as well. So the picture is very relatable. And we know it represents discipline. Someone that's able to compete according to the rules means two things. The first is lawful competition. <laughs> okay? Which means that we need to be an athlete that, that abides by the rules. Right? You don't see soccer players going up, score a goal on the wrong pole and then just say, no, like, today we are counting the other way around. <laughs> right? So that's a score. Right? We need to abide by the rules. Second thing is intentional training is required. Intentional training prior to the competition, before all these athletes can even compete in the Olympics, they have to go through a very, very stringent set of training and all that to, to even get there, right? And they cannot miss out on this. So the picture of the athlete reminds me of what I need to, to pick up for this mission, what I need to, to, to do to remain faithfully obedient to the Lord and everything that he says in his word and his scriptures. What kind of spiritual disciplines do I need to, to pick up Right? How much do I need to really get into the Word, to get, get my prayer life really right before Him, to worship Him daily, to, to step out, to exercise those spiritual muscles, to actually be willing to share the gospel with someone. Right? So this is a picture of an athlete for us, to, to remember a disciplined generation that we want to be, so that we can pass that on. And then the final picture we see is a picture of a farmer, and this is where I start to look really ridiculous. Okay. Okay? It took me great pains to find this hat. Just, just saying, yeah. Okay, so, third image is a diligent farmer. Right? Will we be a diligent generation who toils with patience, right? despite not being able to see the harvest for a long time? 
right? The farmers just go out into the fields day after day, week after week, year after year, right? And just wait for that harvest. But in the meantime, they are toiling tirelessly. It's the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. But what that requires is diligent human effort, even when he sees no fruit, but also 100% of divine intervention and dependence. Why do I say that? Because the harvest is completely dependent on the Lord to send the rain for the harvest, to, to wait until the right seasons come. Right? The farmer can't do anything about that. So it requires him to be working tirelessly, right? but at the same time depending on the Lord fully. Right? Like St. Augustine famously puts this uh, in the quote, and it says, like, we need to pray as if everything was dependent on God, right? but work as if everything depended on us. So when I look at these three pictures, there's so much more to unpack. Right? But if I were to summarize into just three points for, for just the, the sake of reflection for this morning would be this. As a devoted soldier, what must I lay down in order to fulfill this mission? For a disciplined athlete, what do I need to pick up to fulfill this mission? And as a diligent farmer, how can I press on with what God has already entrusted to me, what he's already called me to do? How can I press on even when I see no fruit? Perhaps there's a family member you've been really praying for and reaching out to for a long, long time and he's not said yes to Jesus. How can I press on in that as a diligent farmer? And Paul knew, Paul knew when he wrote this, right, there was a lot to unpack as he wrote to Timothy. And so this is what he says, right? Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. So sometimes it looks so overwhelming, but the assurance is this, that the Lord will give us understanding in everything. Everything that we need to lay down, everything that we, that we need to pick up, everything that we need to press on in. Because discipling the generations <laughs> requires two things that we see in common in these three images. First is a commitment to the mission, right? a commitment to whatever is in battle for the soldier, whatever is ahead in the race, whatever is in the harvest, right? a commitment to that and an endurance to fulfill it and to see it come to pass. And so I'm not sure about you, but as I started to unpack all this, I felt a bit overwhelmed. I felt a bit of a weight. Like perhaps all these things that are on me right now and I look ridiculous, I felt a bit of a weight. <laughs> Right, because I'm nowhere near the perfect picture of all these three things encapsulated in one. Nowhere near it. And if you are like me at all, <laughs> there's actually good news for us. Right, that when the Lord gives us this mission, there's actually like a secret that's entrusted to us. A secret that's given to us that will guarantee a sure success mission, <laughs> that will guarantee a complete victory. Okay, and that is found in the very first verse that I found so easy to just kind of glance over and read through because, you know, if people of action, you just want to read, what do I need to do? But in the very first verse, it says this, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. You know, in some versions, it says to be strong, right? But then as theologians studied this, it realized a more accurate translation of the word be strong in the Greek is really to be strengthened. It's not something that we do to be strong, to hold ourselves together. It's something that the Lord does to us. It's something that we receive, a strengthening from the Lord. And we are recipients of that. In other words, it's like Him giving us His ability and that's incredible to see how much He has trusted us with. So in our desire to be that diligent farmer, 
what we get to do is simply this. We get to come before the Lord and say, God, I want to be that diligent farmer. Will you strengthen me? Because I, I can't do this on my own. Will you strengthen me? And in my pursuit to be that athlete, you know, that's disciplined, you know, keeping my quiet time and all that kind of thing, strengthening my faith muscles to reach out to people. God, I can't. I can't do this on my own. I can't do this alone. Strengthen me. Strengthen me. And in my pursuit to be that, oh, I know that gung-ho soldier, you know, to give everything I have to the Lord, to be a devoted soldier for Him and having to lay down all these things. God, will you strengthen me as well? Will you strengthen me? And as we lay all this down before the Lord, we experience a newfound freedom. A newfound freedom because when we strive to become something, right, we often feel very proud after a while. We feel like proud, like tested, like tired. But when we are strengthened by the Lord, strengthened by Christ, we see that we are renewed, we are transformed, we are a new person and that is what inspires. That's what brings about that viral faith that people will see and want to be a part of. So I don't know what comes to your mind when you think of the word strengthening or when you think about how God transforms you. I know there are many stories. I wish I can hear every story in this room. Right? But there are so many things that come to my mind and a picture that I wanted to share with us is this. Okay, this is a little baby girl. Right? And I want to share with us a story of what happened uh, just a couple of years back. Okay, when I met this man named uh, Ram. Okay, it's not his real name, but I'm just going to call him that uh, for today. And Ram was a migrant worker in Singapore, and that time before coming into full-time ministry, I was doing social work for a while. So I was assigned to this case to go and visit him at Tan Tok Seng Hospital. Again, he was there because of a workplace injury that he had, and then there was a whole drama behind it because his employers fired him, saying that he can no longer work anyway. They got him out of the job. He had no money to send home. Um, he was in so much distress, right, because of his injury, he got no money. He tried to, to commit suicide twice. And the reason why was because he, he realized that there were loan sharks at the doors of his parents' home back in India right, that were threatening to kill them if he didn't send money over. But he had no more job here. Right? So all this was going on, and he was I cannot bear to see my parents die, and I'd rather kill myself. That's what he said. So he tried two times, he didn't succeed. When he was in the hospital, he took the phone that was next to him, he took the, the, to call the nurse, right? took the cable and the cord, he tried to strangle himself to death, but a nurse found him just before that happened. And so there was a man that was in distress and he was in pain. When I saw him, he was, he was always like shaking or like in tears. And as we spoke, he started to ask me very personal questions about faith, about life, and, and all these kind of things. You know, as a social worker in Singapore, you cannot go around and preach the gospel directly, but once they, they ask you, <laughs> right, that opens the door as well. So I started sharing my own testimony, started sharing the gospel with him because he asked. And as I did that, you see him start to light up, you know. A few days later, he said, I want to believe in Jesus. So I spoke to him over, over again a couple of times. I said, do you know what that means and all of that because he was a Hindu and then Hindus, they end up praying to all the different gods, right? Uh, and just everyone works. So I told him, actually, when you say yes to Jesus, he's saying yes to just that one God. <laughs> right? He said, yeah, I want to say yes to Jesus. And so we prayed with him. I was rejoicing in my spirit, but I had no idea what was to come. So he prayed to receive Jesus. Right? And after that, you start to see just miracles happening in his life. Right, for all of a sudden, right, there, were, there were churches that came to know about his case, right, who started raising funds for this man. 
right, to, to go back home and all of that. The legal matters started to fall into place when he met with MOM and all his, his employers were taken to task right, for firing him after a workplace injury. And then something happened back home in India as well. The loan sharks disappeared. They just didn't come to his family's house anymore and they, they were just stumped like, I don't know where they went. His parents said, we don't know where they went, <laughs> but they are no longer here. And so when he saw all this, he realized it all happened after he said yes to Jesus. So he called home and he explained this whole story to his family. And his father was so emotional, you know, because it was like, wow, my son, I know he has a lot of problems, right? And they've been going through such a difficult journey. So one day he was on the phone outside my office. He runs in and he tells me, Sarah, I, my, my father wants to talk to you. I said, your father, does he speak English, right? <laughs> right? And realize he's from some really Ulu village in India, but for some reason he speaks a little bit of English. I picked up the phone and he, and he started to, to share with me how his family's life was turned around because his son said yes to Jesus. And he wanted to do the same. He said, like, I want to give my life to Jesus. And then he put it on speakerphone and then you start to hear all the, all the family members there crowding around the phone. And they said, my whole family wants to give their life to Jesus. <laughs> I was like, What? <laughs> Right? It's just the amazing things that God can do over the phone, right? in some cracky reception and all that with a bit of English here and there. So we prayed together, family received Jesus, and he told me, Sarah, the nearest church is 10 kilometers from our house. Can you come and start a church here? <laughs> okay, clearly, I didn't end up there. But, but you see how the Lord can work beyond our shores, beyond our boundaries, from a man whose faith became so viral. And why do I show you this picture on the screen? I received this from him just last year in August. He told me that, uh, Sarah, I got good news. I got married, and this is my first daughter. And so this is his little daughter now. And he, and he wanted to call me to just say, you know what I named my daughter? I named her Sarah. <laughs> and he said, it's because I want to remember how Jesus saved me. I want to remember how Jesus saved me. And I saw that I was, I was tearing when I, when I got that from him. Because I saw a life that was strengthened by the Lord, literally. Transformed by His grace, like inside out and all that. And you see the transformation not just in him, but it went viral, right? To his family, to his village. <laughs> they all knew that they became believers. And that's the kind of story that, that you know, the Lord can do in each and every one of our lives. So before we end today, I'm just going to give us some time to reflect on this. What is, what is that viral story that's in your life? What's that story that the Lord has given you to share? I'm going to invite the worship team to, to come and join me in a bit. And we all know that there are things, right, that we need to, to lay down before Him. Things that we need to, to pick up, right? Things that we need to, to press on in. But in all these things that we have floating in our minds, the most important thing that we, we need to, to realize today is all we need to do is to say yes to our commander first, to say yes to that mission, <laughs> to say, God, will you empower me? Because just now I was dressed in all these funny things. Remember, but we got to lay that down before him and to just say, God, will you empower me because I cannot on my own. So I'm going to invite us to just bow our heads today, uh, just close our eyes and just spend some time, a few minutes transacting with the Lord. If there's anything that he impressed on your heart to lay down before him, any spiritual disciplines and, and obedience, anything that we need to pick up for Him. Anything that the Lord has given to us to, to really press on in. 
what are some specific things in our lives and use this time to just talk to Him share this with Him something that the Lord has already laid on your heart and I just want to invite us to, to put out your palms before Him because if we walk away with anything today right? I mean there's all these actions that we, we could do with our lives but if we walk away with just one thing will be the knowledge that He strengthens us and it's not by our own power, not by our own might but he, He's a God that strengthens us that empowers us for His work empowers us for that mission so if, if it's something you want to respond to the Lord to we just invite you to just lift up your hands before Him right just right in front of you I'm just going to pray for us in a minute Father we just want to thank you for every single heart that's here every single hand that's lifted to you we thank you for how you're speaking to us Lord there's so much of our lives that we want you to have more of we want you to have more of us Father so God, we just ask that you empower us this day for every hand and every heart that's lifted before you. God, we just pray for your spirit to fill us from head to toe right now, Lord. Because we want more of you in our lives, God. We want you to have more of us. And God, we ask that your Holy Spirit to just sweep through this place right now. Lord, because there's so much in your church, there's so many stories right here, Lord, that you want to get out of the, the walls of this building and into the world for the generations and for the nations and God we just ask today that you empower us to do that Lord with our five those two fishes everything that's before us Father will you empower us this day strengthen us because we cannot do it on our own we want to give you our lives Lord in Jesus name we pray Amen I'm going to invite us to stand and can just rise to our feet today and before I hand the time over to the worship team to, to lead us in this song of declaration to him I want us to just remember this one thing that from here on after saying all these prayers and, 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 and transacting with the Lord this way all we are asking of Him is God will you write our story Lord will you write our story for your glory and for the generations right because when people see that transformation in us it's going to be viral to the people around us and to the nations beyond Amen Amen Yes Okay so I'm going to invite us to, to just declare this to the Lord to say God we want you to be magnified in our midst Sing this with your hearts, you can say out the lyrics. Let's worship him.
you had spent some time listening to God's Word, and we hope that the message has ministered to you. Should you require more assistance, kindly call 6892-6811 or you can visit us at www.cefc.org.sg for more sermon titles. God bless you in your spiritual pilgrimage ahead.